What it really does to us is it makes us feel less than in a way or that we have to overcompensate because we don't feel attractive or because we're in pain and things like that. So I know how that feels. Welcome to the Healthy Skin Show with Jennifer Fugo, where we're flipping everything you've been told about your chronic skin issues upside down and connecting you with alternative solutions your dermatologist never told you about. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 66 of the Healthy Skin Show. Today, we're going to talk about that deeper side, the emotional side of what it's like to live with skin rashes and specifically how we react to the feeling of shame. This is a topic that I've done a lot of personal work around. However, I don't feel like I'm the best person to guide you through this process and to talk to you about it because while I've worked on it myself, I don't consider myself to be an expert. That's why today I invited a very good friend of mine to come and speak to you about the work that she has done around shame and a lot of the negative emotions that we feel. Obviously, this is not the first conversation that we've had around this topic, and it will certainly not be the last because the emotional and mental sides of living with skin rashes can be more difficult than just following directions of what medication or what supplement to take or how to use moisturizer creams. The emotional and mental side are the things that often aren't asked about at doctor appointments and that people don't feel comfortable sharing a lot of the times because not only do you feel shame, but you feel shame that you have shame. That's why I thought that it would be a great opportunity for us to dive into this because I think this conversation will resonate with many of you out there. And I hope that it'll bring some sense of clarity and maybe even peace or you'll see a way forward to more effectively deal with those feelings that are coming up. With that said, let's dive into today's conversation with my friend, Ali Shapiro. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Today, you are going to meet one of my friends. I've known her for a really long time. She used to live in Philly, but has recently moved, and that's okay. We've stayed in touch, and we always have lots of laughs. Many of you have heard me on her podcast, and I'm excited to have her here with you today. Her name is Ali Shapiro. And she is, I don't know, she's been like my guru to go to when you have relationships with food that are not exactly healthy and you don't know how to deal with it. And she created this amazing program called Truce with Food. Isn't that interesting? To develop a truce with food. She's also the host of the top ranked podcast called Insatiable, which I was on and you guys probably listened to that episode She's a holistic nutritionist, integrative health coach, and rebel with a serious cause. Now, here's the thing about Allie. She is academically, practically, and empathetically aware of how the medical system, diet culture, and body positivity movements all have their own flavor of crazy. I love that you say that, Allie, by the way. (laughs) And as I said, guys, she created this program, Truce with Food, after going through graduate school at the University of Pennsylvania, where she earned her master's in organizational dynamics. She also draws from her decade plus of working with real life clients and her own personal healing journey from having cancer as a teenager. And Allie also shared with me that In former years, she also struggled with skin rashes, so she can relate to what many of you are going through. 
And today our focus, this is why she's here, is about the trauma and the pain and the shame that we oftentimes feel when you have this, these markings, you don't look normal, you don't feel healthy, your skin hurts, every experience is painful in some way, shape or form, and how that can translate in other areas of your life, especially what you end up eating. Let's go into it. Let's start. Allie, so you said you had rashes when you were younger. Well, I had uh, well, I had a horrible skin rash, actually, after being exposed to pesticides. When I, I was a little kid doing cartwheels after our neighbor got their lawn sprayed with chemicals. And I woke up the next day with a full body rash. And whenever I went out into the sun, it started itching more. And so my parents took me to the doctor and no one knew what it was. And I basically lived in an Aveeno oatmeal bath for two weeks until it went away. Um, I don't even know if they still make those. This was in the 80s. Um, and then it might and then it my skin problems became my acne. Um, and I had tried I had. Oh, my God. Do you remember in the 80s and 90s foundation? You would, I would take it all over my face, which oddly made it more noticeable. Um, and I tried antibiotics. I tried Cetaphil. In college, I tried Accutane. Um, and everything, well, the antibiotics never worked. Uh, the Accutane worked for a while and then my skin came back. Uh, my skin problems came back uh, in my early 20s. So I know what it's like to have that um, visible feeling of I'm wrong or I'm, I'm, I'm not enough, right? Or what it really does to us is it makes us feel less than um, in a way or that we have to overcompensate because we don't feel attractive or because we're in pain and things like that. So I, I know how that feels. Yeah. And yeah. I had shared a few times that I even got to the point because I had the eczema on my hands and mm -hmm. there were moments where, you know, when you go to reach out to shake someone's hand, you know, your, your gaze sometimes does go in the direction of your hand. That's a natural thing. And they would see this hand that was red and just like really rashed and painful and there's that, I, you know, you don't, you kind of can hear someone's gears turning and they're, they're calculating, wait, how can I get out of this in that split second? <laughs> I'm like, how can I not shake her hand? Is she infected with something? Is she dirty? And it really makes you feel awful because people don't want to touch you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that sets up this psychological place where we enter of we're wrong. Um, and, and there's a conflict there, right? And whenever we feel shame or um, that we're that we're wrong in a way, right? That there's there's some defect with our body because that's what it also starts to feel like, right? You not only have the visible issues, but then when you go to try to fix it and you can't figure out what's going on or you go to the dermatologist and they try to tell you something that doesn't work, it starts to erode this sense of self-trust and this sense of enoughness is often how my clients describe it around their weight and their body, right? Um, because that's something that you, that you can't, you know, is visible as well. And so what happens is, when we go into this place of feeling misunderstood or feeling wrong or not enough, clients use various um, phrases, but we're, we feel defensive in a way, right? Like I have to explain myself or whatnot. There's three patterns that we go into. Um, and I've adapted this based on the Thomas Kilman conflict model <laughs> because we feel like we're in psychological conflict. And so the, one of the response and one of the responses that people choose is what's called the competitor response. And it's what we do there is we're saying, am I head or behind with based on my skin in this case, right? Like we compare ourselves maybe to other people who have skin issues. We compare ourselves and we might think like, I'm not progressing as fast enough. Why am I falling behind? 
Or we compare ourselves to people who don't have skin issues and we're like, what's wrong with me? Like, how is this setting me back in my career or, you know, just in, from a pain perspective? Even the um, relationship, like if you're in that phase where you're dating, you, you want to get married, you want to have children and yet you feel... How do I even tell a prospective person? How do I, you know, I've seen online women saying like, what do I do when I take the makeup off or my clothes come on? Like, how do I explain this? Yeah. And if you're comparing yourself to the other pool of mates out there, right? It's like, and what happens then is we slowly isolate ourselves. The behavior becomes, we feel more and more different. We start to think we're more and more broken or there's more and more reasons that we're never going to figure this out or that we won't want to, someone won't want to date us. And that sends us in a very dark spiral that often is then we're like, well, if I can't win, you know, I'm going to just eat <laughs> that, or, or I'm just going to give up on, on searching or whatnot. The second pattern is avoid, um, which is kind of the chuck it, F it mode that, that we call with, with my clients where it's like the, the, the kind of mindset is why even try? I don't even want to try to, you know, explain this to someone. I'm, I'm not going to. And I think with skin stuff, this is when you stop going out. Right. This is when you're like, I don't want to be seen or with our pain with when you're in pain. It's, it's I don't want to I don't want to tell anyone. It, no one will understand. So we just avoid engaging with the outer world at all. Um, and it we get the, the tone kind of in our head is very condescending self-doubt. Um, and so it's really lack of behavior that we then don't get the information we need to get better. We don't have the conversations we need to have with people so they can understand how to support us. And that leaves us, again, feeling very alone, um, but isolated in a different way. When we're competing in, in that mindset, we feel isolated in a very bad way versus avoiding is just kind of avoiding. <laughs> and then the last stress response is accommodating. And that's where often when it comes with skin issues or, or pain, we feel like we have to make up for, we have to accommodate our skin with other people. Maybe we have to over people please because of that. Or if you go to the dermatologist, one way that I really struggled was the Western medicine saved my life in some ways, but then I'd go to the dermatologist and accommodate whatever they told me to do when it was actually making things worse. Like antibiotics kills the gut biome, right? But I was trying to be good. Um, and so we accommodate what, what maybe mainstream medicine tells us, or we don't get to the root symptoms. Sometimes mainstream medicine will do that, but not often. Um, or when we're out with people, we feel like, oh, I have to say, you know, I feel like I'm compensating for this skin stuff. So I'm going to eat whatever they give me, right? I don't feel guilty if I don't, if I don't um, say, you know, if I, if I turn it away. And so we get into this pattern of, of having to people please, which then um, never gives us really the, the connection or the safety that we're looking for. Because to use your, your hand example, when you shook, shook the person's hand with egg, when you had eczema, it wasn't what you wanted was connection and for them to understand you, Right. Um, and so we often block ourselves from the very thing that we need. Um, and then we tell, we, it creates a self-fulfilling prophecy where we are isolated. We are misunderstood, um, and we feel rejected. Um, but it's because of these three responses that then create certain behaviors that, that lead to the isolation and rejection. And what's also interesting, and I think worth mentioning is I, I didn't experience this myself. So I'm not speaking from personal experience, but more seeing this happen through watching what others go through clients, as well as just folks online in a lot of these online message boards and groups that I'm in who struggle with these skin issues is that they get they may get better, but the 
the the mindset and the self-judgment and the shame they thought it would go away when they had spent 10 15 20 years dealing with this and all of a sudden they wake up the skin's better but they're still stuck with this same this sort of isolating pattern and they don't know how to break out of that i love that you bring that up because what happens is the skin at first is kind of why we compete avoid or accommodate right but then it but that's not the real reason right <laughs> if, if whatever why we're why we don't feel good about ourselves it can be a component of it but that starts to become the stand-in for then why we don't take chances or why we aren't kind of tuned into our own needs and wants because we're so focused on not being rejected or not being in pain um that we don't know what what do i really want and that's where self-esteem and um these things come feeling better about ourselves comes from is first tapping into what we want and then going out and, and making that happen. And so then to your point, sometimes that happens with my clients, they lose weight and they're like, oh, I still feel a mess inside, you know? And it's like, yeah. So part of getting out of these patterns is um, if you find yourself in that competition pattern is really focusing on connection and how you have things in common with people or the experiences that you're going to, rather than trying to find all the, all the clues for why you don't belong starting to connect on the commonality of what you do have in common with people, because that connection starts to make us feel less isolated. Um, when we're avoiding, we tend to be in this all or nothing pattern. We think there's going to be this perfect time <laughs> when we feel amazing or whatnot. And it's part of that is connecting with others in their humanity and realizing that we all go through these experiences and have kind of this post-traumatic, like I was in pain for 15 years or like, I didn't like the way I looked. And what do I do with all of that? Because I haven't been pursuing certain things. And so I need to start pursuing those things and understand that there's no perfect thing to pursue. I have to just start experimenting and finding what I love and what makes me feel engaged and what makes me feel um, like I belong and, and builds my self-esteem. Um, and then with the accommodator pattern, I'm starting to feel out like what feels really meaningful to you. Often the accommodators want to people please or they want to help like they they get value by fixing other people or trying to fix other people because you can't really fix other people. But starting to think, of, hey, what do I really want to get out of this experience? Like I used to go and hope no one would notice my skin rashes under my under my shirt. Right. Or I was so worried about my skin. Now that I'm going to a concert or to, you know, a dinner party, what do I actually want to get out of that? I know what I did. I used to not want to do was be singled out or, you know, be judged. But what do I want to do now when I'm there? What do I want to enjoy and experience? And for most of my clients, I mean, most of it comes down to connection, like like intimate connection in the sense of like connecting with people on things you value or like talking about the hard stuff. Right. Um, with with people that we feel like we can trust. So that's how we can start to get out um, of those patterns based on what we're based on, if we're competing, avoiding or accommodating. Because there's this sweet spot of, we call it in Truce with Food, but it's like collaboration and co-creation. And it's really about being in the moment and, and like bringing your authentic self. Um, and I know authentic self gets thrown around a lot, but when we're in these stress responses, we hold back so much. Um, so it's practicing with that. And you really can't be yourself when, and I didn't feel that way. I was, I, I, I stopped teaching cooking classes. I stopped scheduling public events. I start, I, I just couldn't like, what am I going to do with a blue, blue gloves on my hand? I mean, people are going to be like, 
why are you wearing blue gloves to this like dinner party? You know, why are you on stage with blue gloves? Like, why are you? Wait, so your hands look like that. But did you cut this food up? I mean, like a million things that I started to peel away from my life and realize that it was getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The more I felt, the worse I felt, basically. And, And the longer this went on. And so what I'm taking from this conversation, and, and I hope that you guys listening can really appreciate this because while the research is important, while the, you know, this supplement or this food or this dietary tweak or this question, ask your doctor, those things are important. The internal emotional side, the turmoil that happens as a result of this, nobody talks about And we have these conversations online because for many of us, we don't necessarily know somebody in our direct community or in our neighborhood or at our job or wherever that we can really, you know, somebody really gets you because they have a condition like that. But this, my hope is that by Ali sharing some of this too, you're going to begin to see what you're doing and then say, okay, how do maybe I shift my mindset? How do I shift my focus so that I can I don't get lost down this rabbit hole and it becomes re- you get to a point that's really dark. And the, and the reason this is such a big concern for me and it breaks my heart. And Ali, I don't know if you know the stats on this, but uh, with eczema, there, is, there was a, a lot of studies that came out that were published earlier. Well, this year, as you were doing this, this is 2019, um, about the rate of suicide and suicidal thoughts with in people who have eczema. And it's like, close to like 36 or 40%, um, you know, just off the top of my head. Whereas other studies that have looked at people with psoriasis, you're looking at a rate of like a 20% increased risk of suicide. And the younger you are with psoriasis, the higher that rate is. And so this is, there is a lot of emotional baggage and trauma that goes along with this. And we really want to help you not only support your skin, but support the emotional health that I think is direct. I don't know. Do you, do you agree with that? That is directly connected. Yeah. I mean, on a physiological level, right. If you're in a low grade fight or flight response all the time, right. Which is what happens when you have unresolved trauma, your nervous system is always on edge. I mean, it's harder to all, everything you're doing to heal. It, it, it doesn't work as well. Right. If you're not in that, if you're not in a rest and repair type of situation. Right. So like, to your point, like if you're withdrawing from the things that you enjoy, it's not that you're just withdrawing, you're missing out and you're get you're missing that replenishment and excitement and meaning in life. Um, and then also for sure, I mean, I've seen with my clients, like the, the emotional piece is 90%. Once we work through this kind of stuff, the food is like 10% of it. Um, but it, of course the food matters. And I also find that with these patterns, people then go off of the healing protocols that would help them feel better because if they're evaluating, again, based on what other people are doing and they're not progressing fast enough or they're avoiding and they're just not even getting the support or the help that they need, I think that speaks to your statistics of like how isolating all these patterns make us. And I would say for people who are in the thick of it and not through it yet, really sharing with people how you're, why you're wearing the blue gloves or with people close to you that where it feels safe, that's going to help you start to bring you out of that emotional space and say, wait a second. I can be me where, where I am right now. And then that gives you the information and the connection to then people call it motivation, but it's the, the safety to pursue the, the treatments that you need and to work on that stuff. So, And I'll also add to this too. I think 
you know, I have heard stories where sometimes like a parent is very unsupportive and they'll make really bad comments and unkind comments about like, oh, you're you have this rash because you did something earlier in your life and your God is punishing you and <laughs> really unsupportive. Not helpful. I did even think, to be entirely honest, I thought that somebody put the maloika on me and that I was being punished for some, I kid you not, like this is where I, this is the dark hole that I had gone into. And I think what's, what is so critical here is that you, you identify as well who you can and can't open up to in your life because not everybody is the right support for these type of things. Not everybody has those tools and those skills. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. That's why in truth with food, we always like, we say experiment, but we're, we're challenging these patterns, but we're finding where it's safe to go further because the world isn't um, kumbaya. Right? No. <laughs> I wish it was. Yeah. And I would just say to everyone who, I mean, as someone who's had a lot of health problems, I mean, you can't, we, we can take responsibility, but there's so many environmental things. There's so much that we don't know. Um, and I know in America, we kind of view things through this meritocracy lens that we can control everything and it's all based on how hard we try. And I just, through my own experience with clients and stuff, it's just not, I, I, and it's not going to shift anyone's feelings, but just telling you, it's not only what, you know, you, what you have done, like that's just, and that, but I love that you use that example because that's how we then imprint that we're wrong, right? And then we're coming at everything from this conflict perspective rather than, what if this is a symptom or what if this is a growth opportunity? What if this is, you know, um, something that that I can that can make me better, not from an aesthetic standpoint, but there's emotional growth opportunity there. And so um, I know I didn't feel like that at the time that my skin was. But I once I started to realize that my skin issues were such a result of my gut issues from the chemo and steroids, um, it sent me on a really wonderful healing journey. Um, I mean, I can say that now. <laughs> 12 years out. I know it's, it's challenging at time, but I'm glad you brought up. Yeah. It's so important to find the resources and spaces that can support you in this exploration and, and really feeling how you really feel and people who aren't going to try to fix it, but will just help you help yourself. And just hold space. Sometimes you just want to cry. That's most of the time what you, <laughs> you just want to complain. You just want to vent. You just want to like you just need to let it out because you're holding you it in. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it's okay. And if it, if if you really feel that alone where you can't talk to your parents, you can't don't have friends that understand, talk to a therapist, talk to a counselor, like reach out for help so that you can process what's happening because I will second what Ali has shared. There was a moment where I was ready to just be like my life's over. Like, I guess I can't do this. I guess I'm not going to be a nutritionist. I like, I, I have failed, <laughs> you know, three years, <laughs> like what the heck. And, um, my husband said to me, like, have you really, have you really looked in all under all the stones? Have you turned them all over? And I was like, well, I don't know. And he's like, well, I want you to think about this from a different perspective. And he showed me, I'll, I'll, I'll give him that. You know, and the money things my husband has done, but he was, he actually helped inspire me to say, maybe this is an opportunity for me to change some things about what I'm doing. Like you said, it's an opportunity to go on a different type of journey where I look at my life, my diet, my environment, everything differently. And that helped me tremendously. You did the work, but you just needed someone to ask you the right question and encourage you. So Allie, I know that you know, you deal mostly with 
food and patterns of, of behavior and things like that. And you've got a really cool um, resource that I would love to share with everybody listening called the Comfort Eating Quiz. Can you just share a little bit about what that is and how yeah. that might be of benefit to anybody listening? Yeah. So part of the, you know, we just went over these three patterns um, and these are the patterns that also when we live this way causes us stress, right? But stress is this ambiguous term. And so if you take the quiz, you can see what, what type you're dominant in, whether competitor, avoider, or accommodator. And then there's even more resources to have, once you figure out what you are, how to get even more out of this pattern, these patterns and questions you can ask yourself um, so that I'm really big on self-trust, right? Part of coming out of this emotional place is me not giving you the answers. However, I can give you really good questions so that when you are in that co competitor mode or you feel like avoiding um, how to get out of that pattern. And so if you take the quiz, you then get the results and some more resources and tools um, to, to get out of them. That is awesome. I love, I'm going to have to take that. Yeah, let me go that quiz and I'll let you know. I have a feeling you're a competitor. <laughs> <laughs> I might be, but I recognize with all of these, the competitor avoiding an economy. I mean, I, I've done all of them at different phases in my life. So, you know, everybody, I really, I hope that you found this conversation very insightful. Again, I think this is just as valuable. This is a different side of the coin or another side of the, the dice, so to speak. Uh, that we should look at. We should consider ourselves this multifaceted being. We are multifaceted. And this is a very important point. You can't just talk about steroid creams. You can't just talk about your diet. Think about how you feel when you try all these things and they don't work. And that dark place that you go, that's why I'm like, we need to have this conversation. If we're going to be a community that really cares about us, not just, yeah, okay, healthy skin is great. That's our goal. But at the end of the day, you can have really healthy skin and be a complete mess of a person and not feel enough. And I, it's my hope that if we can have conversations like this, as you begin the process of creating healthier skin, you can then also rebuild that process like Ali shared about of trusting yourself and flourishing in life when you get there. So Ali, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jen. It's been great. I have to say that the conversation we had today was something that touched me very deeply as well. There are times when I think that I've done all the work that I need to do, and yet I have some really in-depth conversations with guests, and I realize that there's more work to be done. As always, I appreciate you tuning in. Everything we've discussed is in the show notes. And if you want to keep the conversation going, asking questions or sharing your thoughts or experiences, head on over to skinterrupt.com forward slash 066. That way I can answer any questions that come up. Also, by the way, guys, thank you so much for always sharing the podcast with those who you love and know could use a dose of inspiration, hope, and ideas that they aren't getting in the doctor's office. I deeply appreciate your commitment to spreading the word of all the work that we're doing here. It is beautiful to see this community growing at such a fantastic rate. And it means a lot to me. And I know that it means a lot to those who we are connecting with. And don't forget, if you haven't yet rated and reviewed the podcast, please do so. And of course, hit subscribe. That way you always get access to the newest episodes as soon as they are released. I wish you a wonderful rest of your day. 
and I'll see you in the next episode.